Everybody good? Uh, one thing I wanted to share with you is uh, that song, one of the songs we sang, it mentioned what we're, you know, we will laugh and we will cry together. And uh, I was working on uh, this wedding I'm fixing to do. I was working on the vows. Nowadays you can email the, the bride the whole wedding program, let her review it before before the wedding so she'll like the wedding program, but I was going through it, and that was one of the words in the, you know, that we would, you know, you would laugh and you would cry together through all the seasons of life, and that's really the way uh, our life is in the Lord also, is there's times where there's great laughter and great joy and great things that happen, and we've got to experience a lot of that in our church, a whole bunch of it actually, but we've also had to experience some, some weeping times, and uh I think the the weeping times we've gotten really down on you know we, we went way down we've not hit the height of the joyous times yet <laughs> but we yes it is but we've hit the the depths of the weeping time and I just but that's just the way life is you know there's going to be times of weeping uh, in in marriages and life there's news that comes that that breaks you and breaks you down and. But there's also the times of, of laughter and joy, and God's gonna, and God's faithful. He knows what, what's, what's necessary. And so I want to encourage you today. The Lord, through it all, here's the point. Through it all, the Lord really wants to reveal Himself to you. And you find out through it all the most important thing. It's just like in a marriage. You know, the most important thing is each other, your relationship with each other, and loving each other, and you know, taking care of the things that God's given you, like your family and you know those are like key things you you can find in your marriage but you know the most important thing is the Lord himself you know through all of this that's the Lord reveals himself you know through every you know through the times of tears through the times of joy God is there and God has will hold on to you when you can't hold on to him I just know that he will hold on to you when you cannot hold on to him and I just want to encourage you if you're if you're at that place today God's holding on to you whether you know it or not. But I'll tell you, God wants to get you out of that place. He wants to get you into a place of joy. Amen? Amen. But I wanted to talk to you a little bit. Uh, I'm going to read John 5, 15, 1 through 5, and just tell you a few keys uh, and then share some, like, revelatory stuff that the Lord's given me uh, how to apply this. It says, I'm the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, He takes away and every branch that bears fruit, he prunes it so that it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you, as a branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine. So neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, he bears much fruit, for apart from me you can do nothing. Uh, Apart from me, you can do nothing. I, in 19, I think in 1990, I heard Chuck Swindoll say that's the seven most important words in the Bible. And that has stuck with me all my life, or well, since 1990, which seems like all my life. You know? but, but that's the revelation of grace. And that is the key, the key revelation if you want to enter into the spiritual realm. Is that right there? Is, is, is where you know, it, apart from the Lord, there's nothing. There's nothing you can do. There's, there's nothing that you can 
produce of yourself. In fact, many of us can produce things, but in heaven's eyes, they're worthless. They don't count. And we don't want to get to heaven and see everything just burn up before us. And so uh, I think that's really the key that we want to get. And, and the key to, to grace is humility. God gives grace to the humble. So now here's the thing. I'm sick of looking at some of you. you oh, I know that. Yeah, you know that in your mind. Because if you knew it in your heart, your life would be different. Okay? And so there's a difference in knowing something in your heart than just your mind. You, we need a revelation of grace. We need a deeper revelation of grace. And I'll tell you this. When you go to those, those places of tears and weeping... That's where you can get a really deeper revelation. If you go down deep, if you go down deep, you, get, you can get a greater revelation of grace because there, there's a place where you can embrace humility in your life. And the Lord really wants us to do that. Uh, in this little piece here, this little thing that Jesus is saying, that He's divine uh, and we're the branches, okay? And the Father is the vine keeper. He's the guy who prunes it. But there's this other thing that He didn't specifically mentioned right here, but he mentions it later on. It's called the sap, because a, a tree that has no sap is dead, and that sap is the Holy Spirit. Okay, that's the thing that runs into us, and that's the thing that empowers us, is the, is the Holy Spirit. So we have the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit here. But what the Father's really interested in, and what Jesus is interested in, and what the Holy Spirit's interested in, is us bearing fruit. Okay, this is really important. Not, now, to notice, he did not say us producing fruit. Everybody say bearing fruit. There's a difference between producing and bearing. Bearing is just that the fruit is produced by something else, and you just bear it. You just let it hang off of you. Okay, you don't have to make fruit. You're not called to make fruit. You're called to bear fruit. And I think, see, that's what grace is. Okay, and that's what how the thing works. And an apple tree doesn't... That branch hanging out there, that limb hanging out there that's got that apple hanging off of it, that, that limb didn't produce that fruit. Something else did it. It's just, it just holding it there. It's, it's bearing it there. And that's how God wants us to live our life. And God is really interested. Verse 18, it says, My Father is glorified by this, that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. See, that's the key. You see, nothing else really proves discipleship other than that one thing. It's the fruit in your life. Okay? That's the proof in the pudding, so to speak. Are you a true follower of Christ or are you just a, you know, somebody who's, who says there are? And um, then he says in verse 16, You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you. See, there's an appointment from God. He, he's appointed us to this, that you would go and bear fruit. We've been appointed to do that. That's important in the kingdom of God. It's, it's an important thing for the Lord and, and that your fruit will remain. Now listen, it says earlier that in verse 2 it said that every branch that bears fruit, he prunes it so that you may bear more fruit. Here's, now this is what happens to us is we begin to bear fruit in our life and God and then, and then one day, you know what a those things they use to trim vines. You feel that happen in your life. You feel something happens to you. And one day you were just really prospering, you felt spiritually. And the next day you don't feel so prosperous spiritually. In fact, you feel humiliated. You feel, you feel little and you feel your prayers are no good. And, and what God was doing in your life, it doesn't feel that way no more. It's because that's a good sign, actually, if we will respond to the Lord in those moments. This, the good sign is that you have been bearing something from heaven in your life 
And God is looking at you saying, there's more. I have more for you. And he, and he causes a pruning to come. So you can bear more, but there comes a time in your life where God is not going to want to prune anymore. He's through pruning. And He wants your fruit to remain. He wants you to have a lot of fruit, and He wants that fruit to remain. We can, we can, we can grow into that if we will allow the Lord to have His way in us and, and not really uh, withdraw. Uh, and then he goes on, and after he, you know, the next part of that verse, it says that whatever you, so that whatever you ask of the Father in my name, he may give it to you. That's the key to answered prayer also. It's bearing much. How would, anybody got any prayers they would like answered this morning? I'm telling you, there he is. It says it right. Whatever you ask. It, he didn't say, uh, he didn't give you, he, he gave, he gave very little conditions. The condition, the big condition is that you are a fruit bearer. You've borne much fruit in your life. Then you can ask in the name of the Lord, and the Father will grant it to you. That's pretty powerful. That's very powerful. See, that's the key to answered prayer right there. He gives it to us in verse 16. The key to answered prayer is fruitfulness in your life. It's being a fruitful person in the kingdom, being a person who's borne much fruit. So... The key, so what we want to do, what I want to do is talk to you just very little bit about the key to fruitfulness, okay? And I want to read uh, Psalms 1, 1 through 3. Everybody good? Yeah. Who's going to have some fruit? Uh, how blessed is the man, now this is really good, how blessed, this is how you can be blessed. How blessed is the man who does not, who does, he gives us some negative, walk in the counsel of the wicked. All right, that's number one, is, is counsel. Where are you receiving your counsel? Okay, ask your, are you receiving your counsel from the world? Are you receiving it from the, ne- from the news networks? If you are, you, you, if you are listening to what the news network says, you are listening to demons. I'm telling you that. They're prophesying to us over the news media. We have to be really careful about what we listen to on the news media because cre- they're, they're prophesying. They really are. And that's just one example, which I could really talk a lot about, but that's not really the point, but... We're not going to be we're not going to be uh, prospered and blessed if we listen to what the world's saying. So you got to ask where are you getting your counsel from? Who's giving you counsel? Okay, number two, standing in the path of sinners. That literally means the life you're living. Are you living a life of sin? Okay, are you walking in sin in your life? I don't know what everybody does when they leave here. You don't know what I do. Becky does. <laughs> okay. But if we're walking in sin as a, as a habitual thing, I'm not talking about people who, you know, like, God, you know, Lord, forgive me, and I don't really want to live that way. You're really setting their eyes towards God. I'm talking about people who are living, living in sin. If you're living in sin, you're not going to prosper. Let's just face it. Let's get real here. Sin's something we need to deal with, and God has a way to fix that. Nor sit in the seat of scoffers. Now, that's the third thing. And if you, here's a scoffer. Okay, a scoffer is a person who's negative. A scoffer is a person who's critical. A scoffer is a bitter person who runs their mouth and gossips. That's a scoffer. Who's down on what God's doing. Who's finding fault. Now ask yourself a question. Do you look at what's wrong all the time instead of look for, for what God's doing? You're, you're on the, you could step into being a scoffer really easy. easy. So that's sort of the negative uh, you know, side of it. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and his law he meditates day and night. So here's the word of God. Now I'm going to tell you, this is important for us. 
God is trying to release something to the body of Christ right now concerning the Word, okay? God is trying to get our attention. He's trying to tell us that He has written the Word on our hearts, okay? That's what He's trying to tell us. And He's trying to tell us that we have believed what people have told us about the Word, okay? And those people who told us that did not know what they were talking about, because the Lord didn't tell us that. The Lord didn't. We have not allowed the Holy Spirit to be our teacher. Okay? So I'm just telling you right now, the church is full of wrong doctrine. I mean, really, I mean, whether you know or not, here's how you find that out. You find it out when God begins to explain to you what it really means. And you find out you're believing stuff that everybody believes that we think is in the Bible and it's really not there. And, and I'm a, I'm a, I promise you, you and I are believing stuff that are not, it's not, that's not in the Bible. Okay? If somebody has taught us that, we've been taught that for years and years and years. It's been passed down from generation to generation. It's like a generational curse that's attached itself to the church. And what God wants to do, God wants to break that thing off in us. And God wants to begin to reveal what the Word really says to people. Okay? And the Lord Himself wants to do that. And you find that in Luke 24. When the, when the disciples were so discouraged about the Lord, they thought, you know, they, they were like us. They believed something that really wasn't true. They didn't really know what the Word really said. They thought they knew what the Word said. And they, they were so discouraged, and the Lord began to explain the Word to them. And then the Bible says the, the, the Lord broke the bread, and when He broke the bread, their eyes were opened. Okay? And then they said, didn't our hearts burn within us as He explained the Scriptures to us? Now, now, get this. It says in Hebrews 8 that He wrote the Word on our hearts. Okay? When God breaks the Word open, your eyes get open, and you see the Word that's written here. Okay? That's what He wants to do with Christians. He wants to break the bread of the Word open where you see that Word that He wrote on your heart. Okay? And then it says He opened their mind to understand. He gives your, your mind the understanding, your, your, your reasoning ability. All of a sudden you understand, and then you can have the Word. Then you can be, get, begin to walk in what the Word really says. And there's a difference when that begins to happen to you versus the other way. I'm going to be honest with you. It is not good enough for you to sit here and listen to me tell you about the Scripture. It's not good enough. You need Him to tell you. And when he begins to tell, and he wants to tell everybody. That's what he's interested in doing. He wants everybody to know this. It doesn't mean that we do away with the teaching gift in the church and all that. That's a part of it, but that's not the thing. See, we, you know, it's like somebody reading a commentary and thinking that's what the Word of God says. It's just somebody's opinion of what it says. They may be right, but lots of times they're not. In fact, that's why you get ten commentaries and you might have ten different perspectives. And I'm not against commentaries. I'm just wanting you to see that God wants to, to bring us into a place. There's a new thing that God wants to do with the church. He wants to break the bread of the Word open to you and I. And our, our spiritual eyes, the eyes of our understanding get opened. And that's just powerful. He's, he's starting to do it for those who allow Him. Anyways, here's the other key. Are y'all good on that? I hope you're excited about that because that's what he wants to do. 
here's the number, verse 3, it says, He will be like a tree uh, firmly planted by streams of water which yield its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither, and whatever he does, he prospers. That's another good thing. Whatever. See, look at the limitation on your life. Whatever you do prospers. Can you get into that? But here's the key. Here's the key. It's like a person planted by what? A stream. It's the river. It's the Holy Spirit. Okay? God has released a Holy Spirit river into the church. Actually, God has released a Holy Spirit river into the world. Okay, that's unseen. Now, let me ask you a question. I want you, I want you to answer this question. I really like to try to... Because this is how God will really go after you. How many people in this room have ever seen the blood of Jesus? Raise your hand. Well, I got one person. That's good. Because you can see the blood. But, but, but how many people in this room believe in the blood of Jesus? Raise your hand. Now, I want you to get something. I bet you there's some of you in this room who raise your hands. You don't believe that there's a real river flowing right here, right now. But you believe in something else that's invisible. Right? You believe in the power of the blood, right? You know there's power in that blood. You know that blood can cleanse you. You know that it'll get you where you need to go. You know there's all kinds of things that blood will do for you. And you believe it, although you've not really had a vision of it or not really appeared into the spiritual realm and seen it. Okay? Yet many Christians cannot accept the fact that the river has been released into the earth, the spirit river has been released into the earth, and because they don't see it, and they don't feel it, and they don't hear it. Okay? So they don't believe it. They don't believe in it. They think it's a theoretical thing. It's just a metaphor. But it's not just a metaphor. The river is real. Just like the blood of Jesus is real. I will say that. The river of the Holy Spirit is just as real as the blood of Jesus. And that is not taken away from the blood of Jesus. Okay? And what we've got to get in our hearts, this stuff is, this is real what I'm saying to you. This is, I mean, the Lord has allowed me to see the river. Allowed me to experience the river. For whatever reason, I don't know why, but it was good he did. I, I enjoy it. Now, I don't see it all the time. But I see it lots of times. And I feel it lots of times. But you can't go on just feelings. But you can go on what you see in the Spirit. Because that's how faith works. Are y'all good? All right, let me read Ezekiel 47. And let me just show you this. If you really look at, this is like the river chapter in the Old Testament. That's really good because where it sort of throws you is, is he was, Ezekiel was seeing a, a, a vision of something that was real, but there was no real river there yet. He, but this, this spiritual river was having an effect on the natural world. And see, that's the thing we've got to see. There's an effect. It says it will come about that every living creature which swarms in every place the river goes will live. Okay? So that's the thing. We've got to see that this river brings life wherever it goes. It, it will bring life. And there will be very many fish, for these waters go there and others become fresh. That is talking about, let me tell you, that is talking about a spiritual river touching natural rivers. Polluted rivers being made pure uh, so everything will live where the river goes. You know, do, do you think God might be trying to get people's attention by repeating himself? Didn't you just say that? Everywhere the river goes, it'll live, and you had to say it again? 
You ever wonder why God repeats stuff? Because He knows how we are. And it will come about that fishermen, now we're talking about human beings throwing a rod and reel out into to a natural water and reeling in fish. This is what He's talking about here. Because these are real places that these fishers will stand beside it from these two places and there will be a place for the spread... I'm not pronouncing those words because I can't. There will be a place for spreading the nets. Their fish will be according to their kinds like the fish of the great sea, very many. But its swamps and marshes will not become fresh. They will be left for salt. Now, uh, I want to stop right there. That was natural, what he was talking about. That was natural, in the natural physical realm. Verse 12, he shifts into the spiritual realm. By the river on its bank and on one side and on the other will grow all kinds of trees for food. Their leaves will not wither and there's no tree on earth that its leaves don't at some point wither. It does not, even pine trees. Everyone knows pine straw? That's a withered pine needle. Their leaves will not wither and their fruit will not fail. They will bear fruit every month because their water flows from the sanctuary and their fruit will be food and their leaves for healing. Now, we could make an argument there's certain herbs and stuff that work for healing. Uh, and you can't eat apples and oranges, fruit. But this is really talking about something spiritual. Um, so you see that what Ezekiel was trying to, what the Lord was showing Ezekiel, he was showing because Jerusalem was one of the only, in the ancient world, one of the only great cities that existed that was not built beside a river, a natural river. It just wasn't. So what Ezekiel was seeing, it was all in the spirit realm. But God kept switching him. And one thing that happened to Ezekiel, if you studied the whole thing, is God kept saying this phrase to him, do you see this? After, after Ezekiel had walked down in, out into the river and swam in the river, God said to him two or three times, Do you see this? Do you see it? That's the question that he's asking us today. Do you see it? Do you see this river that's real and alive and can affect mankind? It can have effect on nations. It can have effect on people. Do you see it? It's so important for us to see this river. And really the only way we can see it is for the eyes of our hearts to be opened by the Lord breaking the Word open for you to see it. You see what I'm saying? Do you see it? That's what the Lord is saying. Because that is the only way you as an individual in any church is ever going to be really fruitful. Is to tap into that river and, and plant our lives beside that river of the Spirit. And let that river cause us to bring the healing forth because really we may be the trees we may be the leaves we may be the food that they're talking about there now if you go and look in revelation you'll see that john saw this exact river in heaven that ezekiel was seeing here on the earth so so you see what i'm saying you got to really begin to see the river and let the river have the same impact on your life that you allow the blood of jesus to have on your life Okay. Now there's certain fountains that God wants to wants to open. Okay. Are y'all good? Now I'm gonna switch into the, the to the next gear. Okay. Uh, so here's the dream. A friend of mine had a dream recently. I'm having a hard time staring all this for some reason. I can't keep my thoughts here. 
the dream was about Matt Stewart, okay? Matt's in heaven. They went to, my friend went to heaven in the dream. They're in heaven. They go to this hospital. Guess who's working in the hospital? Matt Stewart. And, and, okay, the day that my friend had the dream, that night before, that morning, the Lord, when I got up, the Lord gave me this word. And here was the word. Thought hospital. And I thought, wow, a thought hospital. Imagine if there was a thought hospital on the earth. I'm talking about the natural. A place where you could go. go uh, my thoughts are sick, God. Can I go to the hospital and get my thought? And I'm not talking about psychiatrists. And I, got, I was told, I got smack, the smackdown on me about talking trash about psychiatrists. You know? Okay, so I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about a hospital that you could go to and get your thoughts fixed because I don't think psychiatrists can fix your thoughts, by the way. I still don't believe they do, even though I got this and that down. I believe in counseling and all that. But, you know, actually, I don't necessarily know that counseling fixes our thoughts. It just sort of helps us walk through. But I thought, I thought, I thought hospital. So my friend went to this hospital. There's Matt Stewart working in this hospital. And you know what he was doing? He was helping people with their minds. He was doctoring, nursing people's minds. And you know who those people were? Us. The, the patience was us. He was in heaven, but we were the patients on earth. And he was fixing our minds. He was fixing our thoughts. You know, what doctors and, and nurses do. And, uh, and I wanted to tell you this. I'm giving you faith here. I had another dream about Master. I can't share it yet because it's not quite the... Because in the dream, the Lord gave me the time of the year where he gave me something in the dream from heaven. And the reason I know it was the Lord, this is really the Lord, is because I asked him for it. He wasn't, he was acting like he was going to leave. You know how Jesus would act? He was walking on the water. He was just going to act like he was going to walk on by. Or like with those guys on the road to Emmaus. This is like real key spiritually. The guys on the road to Emmaus, they were getting where they was going. He was just going to act like he was going to keep going. No, stay, please. <laughs> That's the way it works in the spiritual realm. In other words, God's going to give us our daily needs, but if you want something besides your daily needs met, if you want something really powerful from the Lord, you're going to have to ask Him for it. You, you study the Scripture. You find it in the Scripture. God does not operate on this uh, Old Testament wilderness mindsets where you're going to wake up every morning and your manna's going to be out there. It just, just doesn't happen. He doesn't want that. He, this is how God, I want you to get this. That's what they did in the Old Covenant. But then when they crossed into the Promised Land, guess what happened? Okay, here's your needs. You've got a house and there's a garden. In the morning, out there in the garden with a hoe in your hand. Because there ain't going to be no manna. And next, when the harvest comes, if you ain't hoed that garden, them weeds are going to take over and you ain't going to have no food to eat. That's the way it works. I'm serious. That's the way God wants us to work. He wants a partnership with man. Okay? So if we want something that's really more than just the basics of spirituality, okay, if we really want that, we have to, we have to reach out to God for it in faith, and He'll give it to you. I said all that because that's what I had to do. Man, you ain't got anything from heaven for me! As He was walking off. And He turned around and He looked right at me. He said, come here. He put His hands up. Put your hands on my hands. That, but that, and I felt like He gave me. This is what He gave me. All right, right after that happened, I'm just going to tell you all this so you'll know, okay? Because you want this. I'm tr- tell me, you want this, all right? 
he, after he touched me, I was, in, I was here one night on a Wednesday night, and I got into this, this, uh, this fountain. And you know that old song, There's a Fountain That's Fed by Emmanuel's Veins? It's a powerful hymn. I was reading the words of it. I went, I, when I was in Lakeland, Florida, Todd Bentley. Remember, everybody say Todd Bentley. I don't care if you hate Todd Bentley. That is not my concern. He, he needs a mulligan. <laughs> he messed up. <laughs> Give him a mulligan. Yeah. I'm serious. I'm telling you, when I was down there, I got into this, this, this fountain down there, and it was different. I thought, what is this, Lord? And he said, you want to know what this is? Come down here with me. I went down in it, and I found this place that was being fed by blood. And that's where all that healing was coming from. It was like the pool of Bethesda that God had released. Because I went down there and I saw this blood flowing up and it was going up into the water and it, the water was a different color. Right here I had that, had that dream with Matt. I was here and I found myself. I thought, man, this is the same one I was down there. It's a healing thing that God wants to release. Okay? And we're going to do that one of these Sundays. Okay? We're going to really get Actually, we're already getting it, but I think... There's a specific time we're supposed to do it. God really wants to, God wants to raise up places all over the world where people can get some healing. Don't you think it makes God upset about this disease going on with people dying and stuff? I think it does. Anyways, I wanted to tell y'all I want to go back to my friend's dream. My friend's dream. Okay, the Lord gave me the word thought hospital. Saw Matt out there working on our thoughts. There's a hospital in heaven with Matt Stewart as a nurse trying to fix our thoughts down here. Okay? Now, when I got that word thought hospital, I saw the Lord do something. I saw him take a sponge. There's your sponge. And I saw him wipe this sponge over my mind, in my mind. And there was stuff in my mind. When he wiped it, it was like a whiteboard. Stuff got wiped off my mind that didn't need to be in there. Okay, the Lord, it was a blue sponge just like that in the hand of the Lord. had that sponge. He just, he just took it and wiped it right across my mind. But it was in my mind because there were things in my mind that were written on the walls of my mind that should not be written on the walls of my mind. And the Lord was washing my mind. The Lord was healing my mind. That's, that's what was happening. That's what he was doing. And here's a scripture. It's Zechariah 13, 1. In that day, a family will be open for the house of David. Are we the house of David? We're the house of David. A fountain has been opened for us and for the inhabitants of Jerusalem. That's for, for, for the rest of the people. And this is what it says, for sin and for impurity. Okay? There are impure things in our minds, whether they are necessarily mean, you know, terrible sin. you probably got some of them too, right? I'm not the only one here who has sinful thoughts. I'm not the only one here who has impure thoughts. I guarantee you the rest of you do. You just ain't willing to admit to it quite yet. But you will. Because this is how you get grace, is you get the truth, you know? Anyways, the Lord wants to wipe our minds cleansed. Now, my friend in the dream, after she saw Matt, she went on and these two angels invited her into this house. Okay? Hold that thought. Last week I was sitting in church here. And what came in, I was sitting here and the Lord gave, said something to me. He said, he said this to me. This is a word, a word of the Lord for you. 
When life gives you lemons, make lemonade. That's what he said to me. When life gives you lemons. Well, my friend walks in his house with the angel. They hand her a glass of, guess what? Lemonade. Drink this. Now, you think God ain't trying to tell us something? I mean, you can, you can throw all this in the trash can and think I'm stupid, but I don't care if you do. I'm going to drink that lemonade because I've had some bitterness in my life. I've had some hard things come my way. And the Bible says God causes all things to work for good for those who will make lemonade out of it. That's just my interpretation of it. But I believe God is saying to people, listen, there's been some, you've gone through some bad things here. Life gives you that bitterness, you make lemonade out, you drink that lemonade. That's what was happening in heaven. Okay? Here's the scripture about the sponge. Are y'all all right? Ezekiel 8.10. So I entered and looked, and behold, this is Ezekiel again, he's seen in the spirit, into the temple. Right? The temple. We're the temple. And every form of creeping things and beasts and detestable things of all the idols of the house of Israel were carved on the wall all around. All this stuff in your mind that's not true. Bad doctrine, lies, deception, nasty things, impure thoughts, you know, this terrible stuff is in there. And God wants to fix our minds. God wants to take this heavenly sponge and He wants to just wipe them off our minds. That's all He wants to do. And then He wants to release something else. This is what He wants to do. You see, He don't want you to just be empty-headed. That's stupid. The Bible says, this is, I want you to get this. In, in Hebrews 8, the Bible says that God, I've said this already, but I'm going to say it again because you need to get this. God has written the words on our hearts, but He's put it in our minds. But then there's something else. In Hebrews 10, this is like when I was around thinking, what in the world's wrong with you, Lord? Can you get this order right? He's written the word on our minds and put it in our hearts. They're, the order's backwards. So here's what I believe. This is just me. I don't know. I think, I think it's pretty close to being right. I believe everybody in this room, if you're born again, the Word of God is written on your heart. But I don't believe everybody in this room, the Word of God is written on your mind because I believe your mind has all that stuff I was just reading on it. I know mine did. My mind's full of stuff that shouldn't be in there. It's taking up the place for the Word. And see, God's saying, here, let me wipe your mind clean, but I'm not just going to wipe your mind clean. I'm going to put the Word that's in your heart, I'm going to put it into your mind. I'm going to write it into your mind. Every morning I wake up, this is the truth, every morning I wake up, there's two people waiting on me. One of them's the Holy Spirit and one of them's the devil, a demon. I mean, every morning of my life I make a choice of what thoughts are going to, I'm going to allow in here. Every morning. And I, sometimes I've made some bad morning choices that weren't right, and I would have to pay for it. But I think we all face that whether we realize it or not. God wants... We need this healing of our thoughts. We need God to wipe out the stuff in our minds. Just take His grace sponge. That's what it's why, why I knew it was blue. That's grace. That's heavenly thinking. Let's just take all that out of your mind. And let me take that word that you already have written right here and let me put it here. That's what happened to the disciples in Luke 24, 45 when it says he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. Suddenly that word that was, oh, didn't our hearts burn with us when he told us the word? Our heart was just burning because the word was in there. It was burning them. 
It was burning. Then all of a sudden it says that he opened their minds. He placed that saying, their lives were changed after that. They became different people after that. They quit believing lies. They started believing the truth and started walking in the truth that God had for them. That's how God wants to heal our minds. And uh, one thing that Becky reminded me of, we read this book by this lady who, back in the 18, what, 60s? Late 1800s. Late 1800s. This woman was, was dying of terminal disease. In and out from this world to that world. You've heard of people who've done that. And uh, she saw some things, and she wrote them in a the book about that world. And you know what? One of the first things that happens to people when they go to heaven, and other, I've read other people who've seen the same thing that's been out there. One of the first things that God does, <laughs> Hey, you know that river you rejected? <laughs> Guess what? You're going in it. Everybody gets the river up there because he washes away all of our earthly thoughts. Actually, I sort of exaggerated that because everybody is. Hey, Byron, you thought you was in the river a million times? You get it one more time, but this time you're going to get it fully. This time it'll never go back. This time it's, it's going to be the rough time. So he washes people's minds. People, we get our minds washed when we get to heaven in that river up there that's flowing down here, but we really get it then. Isn't that cool? And it washes away earthly thinking. Because we had this notion about heaven, everything's going to be instantly different. But here's another thing she saw. Okay? I think it was her that saw. I read, I read books about heaven all the time. I love books about heaven, real stuff. People who've been there come back to tell it. You find out a lot of things. There was this Baptist pastor that really loved the Lord and loved to teach people the Bible, the basics of the Bible. That was his passion in life. He got to heaven. Guess what? The Lord said, I have an assignment for you. You don't have a job in heaven. You have an assignment. All these people who get saved on their deathbed, who know nothing about the Word of God, who know nothing, guess what you're going to do? You're going to spend eternity teaching people like that. The basics of the Word. Isn't that awesome? That makes heaven so sweet. Here's another one that some of you will really love. There was a man who died and went to heaven. And this man was a good man. He loved the Lord he had this passion in life, but he couldn't afford this passion. Okay? He just couldn't afford it, but he loved it. He watched it on TV all the time. Okay? I'm telling you, Becky, you don't like this one. No. Yeah, he loved golf. Guess what he had in his backyard? This woman went to heaven, and this guy and Jesus were playing golf. And nobody knew he loved golf except one person, his wife. And this woman went into heaven and saw it and told his wife about it. She said, nobody knows this about him. All his life he wanted to play golf, couldn't afford it. All his, he, nobody knew it, but he would watch the, he would watch the you know, golf to the tournaments on TV every Sunday. He just loved it, but he could never afford to play. And we never talked about that with anybody. But when he got to heaven, Jesus knew it. And gave him something because he, the guy, I'm, a, I'm the, probably, <laughs> he might have been beating Jesus. Hey, I'm going to let you beat me today. <laughs> but you know, friends would come over and play golf with him. Now, I don't know, you know, that's not, I'm not giving you a, I'm just telling you something. Okay? I happen to believe it. You don't have to believe it. But I believe when we get to heaven, we're going to find out heaven's a lot better than we thought it was. You know? And, then, and I think God's going to give you the desires of your heart in heaven. This woman, 
I'll finish with this. My cousin, a year ago in November, lost her 34-year-old daughter. Uh, she had some kind of illness, and she took some prescription medicine, and it killed her. And it just destroyed my cousin. Just ate her alive because she just loved that, that daughter. What, what parent wouldn't it kill? It was her only child. Fortunately, she has a grandbaby. But uh, my cousin had a visitation from the Lord. And, and the question was asked her, what is wrong with you? What's wrong with you? She's, I've lost my daughter. That's what's wrong with me. I don't have to say this in a little bit because if I told you the way it really happened, it would offend some of you to know and you'd get up and walk out of the room. So I'm not going to really throw you that hard. But basically the answer came back to him from the, do- you know, from, the, from the daughter's perspective. It was her time to go. That her purpose and her destiny could only be fulfilled in heaven. You know? Now, I don't know how that messes with your theology, but I'll tell you what it did to my cousin. It set her free. It set her free from being tore up so bad, knowing that her daughter had a destiny. Her destiny was not cut short here. And so she asked the question, okay, what my cousin did. She was sitting right here Sunday morning, okay. What is the most important thing for me to know on this earth? And she said, there's four things. Well, she was told there's four things that you really need to know. Number one is love. Okay, number one is love. Number two is pray. Always pray and believe in your prayers. And number three is forgive. Don't hold unforgiveness in your heart. And number four, never judge anyone. Now, that came from heaven. I thought... I don't know anybody could argue against those four things. I mean, that sounds like pretty sound theology to me, especially when it came from the person it came from. I know the lips. So this morning, Amy, are y'all good? Yeah. I don't know about y'all, but that kind of stuff causes me to really want to go after the Lord. That's the fruit in my life. It's when I hear about that stuff, it's like, Lord, I've got to get you. I've got to know you better. I gotta be more passionate. I want more of you, Lord. I want to be filled with the Spirit more. I want more. I'm not satisfied with what I got. I need more, Lord. Lord, my mind's full too full of stuff that shouldn't be in there. I want you to wash my mind, Lord. I want you to erase this stuff out of my mind so you can write the word. And the Bible tells us this. I want you to get this. The Bible tells us this. The Bible, you know, people say you believe and then you see. Not in the Bible. Nowhere. You cannot find that in the Bible. The Bible says. See and then believe. Now, it's not talking about with these eyes right here. It's talking about with these eyes. The eyes of our understanding. That's why Paul prayed. You know, I pray your eyes of your understanding be open so you can see what the inheritance, the glory, the power. You see, we, that's just an example of stuff we believe that's wrong. That one little thing right there will stumble you all your life. But when you begin to realize, for me to have all that God has for me, I need to see it with my spiritual eyes. And Jesus is willing to open your spiritual eyes today and write these things down where you can see them and you can have them. Okay? Does this make sense to anybody? This is the way it works, man. So here's what I want to tell you this morning. If you want your mind... I did the broom thing. Remember when I did the broom thing? I got in so much trouble for that broom thing. 
Somebody will say, it's not in the Bible. How can you dare do that? And I said, I beg your pardon. It's in the Bible. It's in Luke 15. I found it in the Bible. And I think this may be Psalm 51. I'm not sure yet, but I'm pretty sure. Because I was asking the Lord, I need a scripture on the sponge deal, Lord. And the scripture that came to my mind was when David said, you know, wash me. I thought, that's close enough. Wash me. Now, this sponge is brand new. It feels a little damp. I don't know why. It came out of the bag feeling damp. They come down. They're not hard. If you want to, if you come up here and lie, and I'll take this sponge and just wipe it across your head. Okay? And God, and I believe God will do something. I believe God will begin to take things out of your mind that need to come out of there. Begin to erase stuff. But I don't want Him to stop there. And He doesn't want to stop there. Not, he wants to erase the lies, the deception, whatever it is. But He wants to write the Word in your mind. That's what God wants to He wants to write. You got it in your heart, written in your heart. Now He wants to write it in your mind. And when you start getting the Word written in your mind, your life is going to really significantly change. So if you'd like to do that, y'all come on up here and just line up. And I'm not going to pray something down. I'm just going to wipe it across your, your beautiful head.